Hello and welcome to episode 160 of Effect. Animal Magic. My name is Matthew. And I'm Dave. And we, as usual, have a wonderful packed program for you today. So, um, uh, we will be talking about the world of gaming. There's a bunch of things that I want you to tell me about, Matthew, because you've been following <laughs> some of this and I haven't really. So there's the... Uh, it's crazy. It's so crazy nonsense. So as you've put it down, the TSR dumpster fire. Um, so we'll talk a little <laughs> bit about that. And there's some stuff about Simbarum Alberator and Project Cassandra. And obviously the One Ring um, Alpha is out and about, if you've had the chance to look at that. We'll also give you a little update or what there is to update on uk games expo and what we're doing there and then we thought um i've been doing loads of work on war stories for um the great al aguila and gabe garcia at firelock so i thought i'd just give a little update on that and plug to uh, our friend of the show and uh patron thomas thomas bolton um a plug for the playtests that he's done which are up on uh youtube um if not elsewhere then the main uh, the main thrust of the show is GenLab Alpha. You, Matthew, were given homework last time to have a look at GenLab Alpha and talk to us. A it bit wasn't about last time. It was camp- it was weeks ago. <laughs> okay. It was episodes ago. It's yes. just I've only just got round to it. <laughs> okay. Well, I was trying to be kind there and say, <laughs> yeah, um, don't be kind. Having, having it doesn't bit, suit you, Dave. It's not been natural. a bit of a, a slack slack ass slacker. Um, we've finally got around to your piece on GenLab Alpha and um, campaign play and your thoughts about the game. And I think that's it for today. So we might. Is it possible that we might bring this in under an hour? I think we'll bring it in at around exactly an hour because you know how you and I talk. <laughs> under <laughs> an are, hour isn't possible. We are. We are so... Uh, and believe so, me. You well, don't know the depths of depravity that I am going to go into in discussing the TSR dumpster fire. <laughs> okay, that, that could be an episode in itself. Well, um, okay, well, let's move on then. So uh, I don't think we've um, we've not had any new patrons this last couple of weeks, which uh, is fine, obviously. I think we just shows how, how lucky we were to have um, so many people coming and joining us you know, up until up until now, but that's great. It's still fabulous in our wonderful community. So, um, yeah, let's move straight on to the world of gaming. Okay, the TSR dumpster fire. This the is TSR a thing that happened. Like, dumpster fire. Go for it. This this, this is an exciting bit of news that came out kind of like the day after we recorded our last episode. <laughs> I um, and that was TSR are reborn. Um, and uh, people were very excited because it's uh, tactical simulations rules or whatever the, uh, the the company was that invented Dungeons and Dragons. Um, but of course, TSR had already been reborn <laughs> a couple of years ago with a, a Kickstarter for a game called Top Secret, which obviously famously was a TSR brand. Mm. Um, I do remember and playing that back in the day, actually, all oh, years and years and yeah. years ago. Yeah, we did play TSR's Top Secret. I think we preferred your uh, uh, your Victory Games, uh, James Bond, mm. but we had definitely played Top Secret. I do remember um, that my, my my overriding memory of playing Top Secret was hiding in a field. I don't remember yeah, much else. I, actually, I was running it, wasn't I? I think I can't remember now. It probably was thirty years ago. Yeah, I think I think I was running it. Um, well, um, this was a very confusing thing that was confusing in the first instance and then caught fire. Uh, <laughs> and this is all over the social media, which I know that you don't particularly engage with. But it was hilarious. And okay. <laughs> um, uh, Ernie Gygax is involved. Um, and uh, so... You know, that's a direct connection with Gary Gygax of course, the original yeah. TSR. Uh, that's just about it. Um, but luckily, our friend, uh, friend of the show um, and RPG historian Shannon Applecline, in those early early days of the of the TSR three reannouncement, shall we call it, um, explained a little bit about what had gone on. So um, TSR was first reborn a few years ago 
and it involved Ernie Gygax and his brother Luke and a chap called Jason Elliott. And um, they got together and they started producing a magazine called Gygax, which was quite well received, if I recall properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that was all, for some reason, um, uh, Ernie and Luke's stepmum, Gail Gygax, um, put the kibosh on it. Uh, she said that she'd got um, uh, the, um, the rights to everything that Gary Gygax had left her. Uh, and that included the name Gygax, so um, mm-hmm. so they didn't ha- they couldn't make Gygax magazine anymore. Um, but uh, so anyway, that 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 sort of TSR rebirth that happened there uh, kind of died a death because of the lawsuit. But one of those people, Jason Elliott, is one of the people behind the reorganizing or the re creation of top secret i remember looking at the kickstarter for this and it's a very different game from the old tsr top secret okay there's a lot more bits and pieces involved with it it looked quite interesting it looks you know, mechanically interesting say, it by, was one of those by, by bits and pieces what do you mean it's, it's a like, kind of a crunchier rule set or well, it had it had play mats it had counters ah, it had, right. okay you know accessories so one of the yeah role-playing games with accessories um yeah. uh, uh but it looked quite good but it's not something that i was uh into and particularly with kickstarters those of us in the uk with american kickstarters when a box game like that is being kickstarted it gets horribly expensive for shipping mm, and then yeah. vat and stuff like that and import duty so it wasn't a thing that i i spent much time looking at no. anyway so um that that was published under the tsr games brand so the first thing that was confusing me is, you know, that's still around, as far as I'm aware. Um, how come TSR is reborn the day after our last <laughs> podcast? Um, and it turned out that uh, although he'd trademarked the name TSR, he'd let the trademark lapse. And I think American oh, trademark okay. law is different from British. I think as long as you're producing a thing with your trademark on, um in, in under English law, you've got some protection of that trademark, whereas in America you actually have to register it, which is why you see those little TM letters, which yes. says registered yeah, yeah. trademark or a little R in a circle. Yeah. It's not like copyright, but apparently I thought again that once you'd registered it, as long as your product was still in production, you don't have to renew it. But apparently, you know, every few you years do. you've got to renew it, mm. and um, and um, someone overlooked yeah. to renew it. Yeah, Jason Elliott uh, didn't renew it, at which point um, a chap called Justin Lanassa, who we will discover more of uh, later on in this monologue of mine. I should have, <laughs> I should have scripted this and taped it. because cra- You should have just recorded it as a, as a piece, exactly. It would have been much more entertaining. Anyway, get on with it. You're five minutes but in already. Justin Lanassa, <laughs> who runs a game shop somewhere, I bet you it's North Carolina or one of those southern states for reasons that will become apparent. Uh, he, 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 he registered the trademark and um, with um, a chap called Stephen Deinhart and Ernie, not Luke, but Ernie Gygax. And they got together and they did, hey, we're born again, TSR. Um, at which point immediately people started saying, but hold on, what about, what about um, Jason Elliott's TSR game? And uh, I think some quick phone calls were had. And uh, Justin Lanassa announced that he had um, uh, generously licensed the TSR name to um, uh, to Jason Elliott for just £10 a year. So that was very kind. But I mm. have a sneaking suspicion it was slightly, um, oh, yeah, yeah, there's that. That game, and and apparently he said at that time that's kind of the way they were going to operate. They were going to go particularly for OSR publishers. Anybody that wanted to could publish their name under the TSR brand with some sort of a licensing agreement. Possibly not as cheap as um, as uh, Jason's uh, uh, TSR deal, but but that was fine. And as part of that, actually, one of these people, Stephen Dinar, has got a name called Giant Lands, and that was announced as being the first TSR product. But it was all a bit confusing. So um, Ernie Gygax um, went on air with a podcast or a, a YouTube thing to kind of clear up the confusion and explain what had gone on around there. And during that time, he mentioned, and I, um, I, I will post a link in the show notes to the article here because I, I'm going to 
paraphrase him a bit because I don't want to kind of say what he said. Um, uh, but also, I don't want to accuse, uh, you know, uh, point to the links that that, say, that tell you what he said and even watch the video to see. Yeah, just, I, mean, I like to say, I mean, re- report, report it without, without you know, yeah. bi- bias but, or comment but, maybe. Yeah, so what he he kind of made a comment about transgender people um and you know if you're the sort of gamer that you know doesn't want to worry about um what gender you are or something then you're going to really love tsr's product um and i think in ten, i think he might have even said something like enforcing gender norms um which was interesting and you know particularly for me uh I have always felt that role-playing games, since those early days when we were role-playing at, at um, Richie Taylor's school, is given people the opportunity to explore their identities and, to a degree, their sexualities as well. I mean, you know, not that our games are particularly raunchy, but you know, I do think <laughs> that uh, people experimented with different identities in that, and you know, that's been a part of role-playing for yeah, ages. Definitely. And here he was being. Shall we say a little bit old-fashioned about Restrict it? Restrict it. Okay. Maybe maybe that is a kind of a kind euphemism then, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so, old-fashioned. Well, yeah. Right. But you see, I think, you know, I, I, he might have been forgiven for that. I, I could definitely forgive, you know, he, he's older than we are, I think. I, and, I, you know, I, I play with uh, a trans woman and I find it sometimes kind of difficult because I used to play with her when she was a man. And sometimes I kind of say, hey, guys, what are we going to do? And I think, oh, no, 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 we're not all guys. Or I say, gentlemen, watch. Oh, no, we're not all. Yeah. You know, and so so I struggle with that. And, you know, I apologize and I say sorry and I try and do better next time. Um, and I think possibly, so there was a little bit of a, whoa, did you, did you mean to say that? Uh, mm. And... There was a there was a moment there where he could have said, "Oh, forgive me, I'm a silly old man." You know, I'd rather stuck in my ways. Obviously, anybody can play the games. You know, yeah. And they kind of said that, but at the same time, kind of doubling down on it. Yeah. And you know, I imagine within I you know that within the world of social media, I imagine there was a vocal minority who was saying, "Yeah, finally," you know. Taking, taking, taking Dungeons and Dragons out of the hands of those horrible people um, who, who, you know, who, who play it for laughs and aren't seriously about hitting people with swords and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I don't, I, I don't know. Anyway, woke, woke people. I'm sure they. they anyway, th- so they didn't kind of retract those statements properly. They kind of doubled down on it. And over time, this has gone on. Over the last couple of weeks, this has kind of got worse and worse. Brewed up, yeah. Um, uh, And I thought a couple of days ago, I thought we'd reached the the kind of end of the story where they made a statement um, saying, well, obviously, this isn't what real people think. This is obviously a plot by Wizards of the Coast who have got a bunch of sock puppets who are giving us a hard time over um, o- over this. And none of these accounts are disagreeing with us being rude to transgender people are, are real. They're all obviously TSR sock puppets. In fact, they called so, it the, not TSR, the, the Wizards of the Coast of the Deep Coast, State. Yeah. So, okay. um, so <laughs> it's obviously Wizards of the Coast, that multi-million pound Hasbro branch is obviously so worried by the rebirth of TSR with the game. Oh, that's another thing I should say early on. They also said, we're launching Star Frontiers. Uh, we're we're going to redo that. And here's the cover of it. And now, very specifically, a few years ago, somebody else did that. I think Fred Hicks, the guys behind um, Evil Hat and, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and Fate. Uh, and they they had made noises about, hey, wouldn't it be fun if we revived Star Frontiers? It's mm-hmm. It's been out of print for so long now, uh, the rights have probably fallen out of um, Wizards yes. of the Coast hands. At which point, Wizards of the Coast republished it for free as PDF so that they could retain the copyright. So, right. you know, they, they, they didn't want to lose that IP. And here we've got another company, TSR, saying, yeah, yeah, we're going we're gonna to publish it again which will have got Wizards of the Coast a bit wound up. And they actually used artwork that, as far as I'm aware, because they were publishing it for free, Wizards of the Coast still have intellectual property rights too. So yeah, that, there's another little another little part of the fire going on there. Okay, then, as yeah. I say, 
couple whole, of days ago. Whole... No, go on. Carry on, carry on. I was just going to say the whole thing sounds like a total clusterfuck, frankly. It is, it is. Doesn't sound, doesn't sound like anything has been done particularly subtly or well. Uh, no, no, and they could they could have done it. There was so much love for Ernie and the gang two weeks ago, the day they made the announcement, and it has turned into so much. Not, I wouldn't even say hate. I'd say just like uh, kind of just, pity. Yeah. Well, I, inevitable although, disappointment, kind of thing. One of the characters um, involved, and I think possibly the one that's doubling down on it more than um, than Ernie Gygax, is this chap whose name I mentioned, and I've now forgotten. What did I call him? He runs a hobby shop. Um, Don't remember, but you said you thought he came Justin from Justin Lanassa. So Justin Lanassa. So, um, so just recently, uh, somebody unearthed a story about Justin Lanassa, which is hilarious and also kind of deeply troubling, um, which is that... Um, a couple of years ago, he stood for the state legislature in whatever state he's in, which I think is North Carolina, but I can't quite remember. Um, and, you know, he was running for a post, obviously. Well, not obviously, but now it's time to reveal that he was going as a Republican. Um, and I imagine a kind of Trumpist Republican, just from some of the other stuff he said. Uh, and his opponent in the Republican primary for that election dug out a video that he had put online um, where he had two shop assistants wrestle in a tub of grit, which is to say um, porridge in American terms, uh, to work out which of them was going to be the senior shop assistant. And these are both girls, it should be pointed out. And so this video, which uh, Lanassa had put online, had then been used against him in the election campaign. He lost that primary, you might expect to say. Right. And uh, and so that is just, you know, this is, I, I think probably this is the, where the clusterfuck begins is with Justin Lanassa. And right. I think okay. everybody else who's involved will be pulling away from this thing over time. Would, okay, would, and that I, I, is... I would like to say, though, um, I, I'm, in, I'm, I'm entirely uh, in favour of mud wrestling for promotions generally, um, <laughs> because I, I might have got more promotions in my job if I do, if we've done yeah. that. Um, well, you know, so yeah, I'm, I'm up, I'm up for that. But I mean, not, not if it's um, as, as you imply by, by your report there, Matt, um, uh, a uh, exploitative mechanism it, to watch two it did women seem. So the, fight in, so I, in porridge yeah i looked at the advert odd. and you know this this the republican candidate against him was kind of saying you know we, we all expect to be rewarded if we worked hard and do well in our job we don't expect to have to uh to, to wrestling grits promotion <laughs> and i thought you've just got the the women's vote in the republican party there yeah. and then um yeah. so uh so yeah yeah and um okay so it's um i i guess watch it spe this space to see how it pans out from here on in i guess yeah or, or is yeah. there a, is there a hard line in the sand now well, i don't know the latest news up? is they've been banned from gen con right, and they've okay. said that's not good is it banned by a con we started at which point shannon Appleclimb actually replied to their tweet and said just a historical correction. You didn't start Gen Con. Gary Gygax started Gen Con, and TSR only and he started it in 1968, and TSR only came into ownership of it in 1976. And you people <laughs> had nothing to do with it because um, you know, the only thing that you guys in TSR in this new version of TSR did for original TSR, and he lists all the various things that Ernie did and said nobody else involved in this project. Um, uh, is is part of the old TSR. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so yeah, it, it's still going on, but I think we're watching it crash and burn. And this game, Giant Lands, was kickstarted not under the TSR brand years ago and still hasn't been delivered. So, um, right, okay. You know, yeah. Make of that what you will. Yeah. I, I There is an interesting life lesson there for everyone, which is if you're going to pick an argument, make sure you've got your facts right. Particularly yes. if you're picking an argument with someone whose job is getting the facts right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
it's it's hilarious and uh, it's not, and not Apparently, though, now Shannon's been blocked by their Twitter account, so uh, <laughs> so they're not going to get well, his words of wisdom anymore. Well, that's no surprise. If he keeps making them look like dicks. Yeah, then, uh, but obviously, it's not Shannon Appleclyne. It's obviously a Wizards of the Coast sock puppet that's just using his name. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, so I forgot that. <laughs> the, the Wizards of the Coast, quote, deep state that is working against them. Yeah, I mean, anyway. that's, another, that's another thing that I was going to pick up on um, in, in the middle of your monologue, was um, <laughs> anybody who uses the phrase deep state should really kind of, I mean, be avoided. Or it's like, what, what you know, the, the connotation of that phrase is kind of a Trumpian conspiracy theory. That yes. He, he didn't abuse all these women. They are all making it up because it's deep state, or it's the the lizard people eating babies doing it, or whatever yeah. the current version of that conspiracy theory is. So yeah, I mean, people again, another lesson generally is don't throw out vague phrases like that in your defence because yeah. it doesn't make you look better. If there is, if you if you've really got something that you know says that Wizards of the Coast are acting in. A court, you know, a court against you to screw you up, then reveal what you know. Don't just throw out yes. accusations. Um, otherwise, then you know, you're know you probably better keeping your power to dry because at least then you maintain a bit of dignity. Yeah, and, and you know, essentially it begins to feel to me that the words deep state is actually equated with the normal, moderate part of the population. <laughs> you know... If, yeah. if there is a deep state, then I'm probably part of it. <laughs> I mean, not that I've engaged with these guys on Twitter, because well, frankly, it's been too hilarious to watch. You don't need to get engaged with it. Did but, you, um, did, have you received your um, your sock puppet check yet from Wizards of the Coast? Because I, I have. So, oh, have uh, you? Oh, no. I, well, you see, you've obviously been um, uh, been writing Shannon Appleclimb's post. Because I, I haven't written anything on Twitter, and, and therefore I haven't got any money. But there we go. There we go. <laughs> Shall we move on to more pleasant news about yeah, products that are actually twenty minutes arriving on, on people's doorsteps? Yes. So, um, yeah, Simbarum Alberator and Project Cassandra are arriving on people's doorsteps in print. I don't have my copy of Project Cassandra yet. Craig, no, what's going I on? don't Come have on. my copy of Project Cassandra. People, Almost every... people on the other side of the world are getting their copies, and I'm not. So, come on, what's yeah, going but... on there? You were one of the last three people or something <laughs> to actually is, send him his details. And that was um, entirely my fault. And Craig was very generous in just gently prodding me to get the fuck on with what I was supposed to do. <laughs> so, yeah, I can't blame anyone but myself, I guess. For this. Yeah, and I, I know my, mine is uh, delayed because um, it takes time to redact copies of um, Project Cassandra. Um, and... Foolishly, I paid extra for a redacted version. So, what 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 do you get for the redacted version? Apart well, you know how redacted text. documents have loads of words blacked taken out. out of them. Yeah, yeah, you get one of those. <laughs> and why would you? Why would you want that? Or what, I just or thought what, it was a way of text, supporting. What text is being redacted? Is it like um, random, I, random I think lines random in the Random bits of text and various bits and pieces. I, yeah, I'm sure Craig is doing it quite artfully. It's not entirely random, uh, but I don't know. I don't know whether the redacted version is playable or whether vital facts are the rules. <laughs> I'm going to have to refer to the PDF version to actually find out what's said. You think it I'm, probably I'm, ought to be playable, wouldn't you? You wouldn't want to be reading through it and say yes. And at this moment, you would then need to roll a dice uh, pool of redacted, yeah. redacted, redacted. We'll and, see. And then, we'll and see. Then, and then it's and that explains how to manage <laughs> such and such a mechanic. Okay. Well, we we'll see what just how wicked Craig's sense of humour is in his reduction. <laughs> but each of these copies, everybody that paid for this is getting a personally hand redacted one, so they'll all be a bit different as well. Oh, nice. So, um, so there we go. Bespoke. Excellent. And I don't think you didn't pre-order Alberator, did you? No, I didn't. No. No, and obviously um, I didn't I'm, because I don't run Cyberboom. Cyberboom. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure when I'm going to run Cyberboom again. So I decided to leave it for the moment. I might well pick it up um, when it's uh, sort of available in retail, but uh, not not for now. I didn't join that pre-order. No. 
Yeah, um, and I think only the Swedish copies of uh, Simbaroom uh, Alberator are arriving on people's doorsteps. Mm. I think uh, English people have got a week or two to wait, or English language people, mm. not just English people. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I am, I'm waiting for my copy of uh, the Fallout game to arrive on the doorstep. It's been shipped. So, oh, uh, that's exciting! So I and again, this is this is two D twenty, and I know I, I'm just buying everything of theirs two D twenty, even though I hate two D twenty. Um, but I think you know I'm buying it for the uh, uh, for the genre, I guess. So I love Fallout. Um, the 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 PDF is really nice, and I, I expect the book itself is going to be great, uh, a great book to have in your hand. Uh, I'd probably like to play it at some point. I'm a big fan of post-apocalyptic settings, as, as you know. So uh, uh, it might be interesting to give that a go. Um, but that's I'm waiting for that to arrive. I think I've got something else that's been shipped as well, other than Project Cassandra. I can't remember what it is now. But I think I might have a, a, a bonanza couple of weeks with, uh, with stuff that I've ordered finally arriving on my mm. doorstep. Uh, so I think I've got Project Cassandra coming to me. At some point, they're going to be shipping the Morkborg, Al- Merkborg, I should say, Merkborg, album, yeah. um, which I'm very excited for. Um, uh, and so I haven't backed I've any Merkborg yet, or haven't bought it to anything, haven't played it. Yeah. Um, so, the, yeah, this is more your bag than mine. Yeah, very much my bag. Uh, but I, that's coming soon, but I don't think that's uh, out yet. So, um, so yeah, Project Cassandra is all I'm waiting for. Um, what we did get, uh, well, some of us got a very exciting email in our inboxes, but um, uh, your mail filter is very strong with AOL, I guess, Dave. Oh, well, uh, it, it didn't, have... it, it, no, well, it just hasn't arrived. But I, as you, so we're talking about the One Ring um, yeah. Alpha, uh, for those of you who haven't picked that up already. So uh, I just need to go onto Kickstarter and... Um, Get it from that. there. I just haven't got around to it yet. And I've but downloaded I've heard, it. I've, I heard, haven't... I've heard nice things, though, from our patrons and others about it so oh, far. I, I've only... Because I've been reading GenLab Alpha this week, I haven't really been uh, looking at that. But I did just have a quick flick through the PDF, and it looks, even with half the artwork missing... I'm not, I, I don't know whether half of it's missing. Even with some blank spaces with artwork goes here. Yep. There's. It looks gorgeous. Mm. Mm. It looks like Tolkien himself designed it. Nice. Which is just perfect. It's everything I wanted. Everything I was so disappointed with in terms of the presentation of the first edition um, is corrected by these guys who know how to publish books. If there's a thing you can say for Free League, they they they? publish some gorgeous books, don't they? I'm trying to think, have they even had a dud or anything that hadn't really come up to that sort of glorious standard? I'm not sure that they have, really. I mean, everything has just been so well produced. I think an interesting one will be when uh, Twilight 2000 arrives uh, on our doormats. Because, you know, that's... They have, oh, yes, that's what I'm waiting for as well, Twilight 2000. They've got a, a retro look to that with the cardboard counters and the softback books. So it's softback, you know, and we've not had a softback out of them apart from supplements for um, for years. Is that going to be... And, and I'm sure they've made all sorts of very conscious decisions to make it like that, but is it going to feel cheap? Who can tell? Uh, but I, I don't think I don't think so. I think they'll get that right as well. I'll be surprised if it feels cheap. Their their, their production yeah. qualities are so good, yeah, aren't they? Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll see. Okay. Uh, so yeah, and it looks and the, the feedback has generally been pretty good. I didn't ever play first edition. I think though we will have on Tuesday night next week a book club on our YouTube channel where we will uh, discuss the book. And we've got some patrons who are uh, who are definitely expert in this. So we will have a bit of a discussion about what people have seen, and I will desperately try and read uh, read it before then. Ah, cool. Good. Excellent. That sounds like a, a good idea. So that, that's going to be Tuesday the 6th? Um, Tuesday, the Tuesday of next week. Yeah. Um, now, yeah, maybe the 6th, yes. Cool. Cool. 
Um, UK Games Expo, I just wanted to quickly say um, it does look like we will be having some form of freedom happening on the 19th of July. So hopefully <laughs> at the end of this very month that we are in, Dave, we are going to Birmingham. It's coming up quickly. Uh, yeah, uh, it's going to be great. Yeah, we're there, obviously, as Free League. We'll be running the stall. Um, anybody, everybody, come up and say hello. Come and buy some stuff. Come and chat to us about uh, about the games and um, just have a great old time. We're going to be there from the Thursday um, for the Thursday evening before the show starts on the Friday. Um, yes. And I think we, we've we're going to be I've got busy a little on bit that of work Thursday. Left. Got a little bit of work left to do to uh, make sure we are properly prepared. So I haven't really focused so much on it. I know you've been doing quite a lot of the legwork on the actual organisation, Matt, haven't you? Whereas I had been doing um, stuff around the games we might be running, but having decided not to run any official 3D games um, for various reasons this year, yeah. um, that bit of work has, has stopped. But uh, yeah, I just got to catch up on the... On the um, on the practicalities of what we're doing and when we where we need to be and when. But again, if you're if you're a GM and you are running or you're thinking about running a free league game, drop us a line, give us a shout, and um, uh, we can um, possibly uh, give you some PDF adventures. Definitely, something. yes. So um, if I, I've given some advent, I've given Alenia Bay out to some American GMs who are planning to run it at conventions. So if you're running Alien and you wanted to run Alenia Bay, I can get the uh, the detail of that to you. So contact me on uh, the best one will be Dave at EffectPodcast.org. Send me a mail there, and I can ping that through to you. Brilliant. Um, now we're taking a bit of time, but you wanted to briefly talk about what you've been doing on War Stories. Yes, I was just going to say a couple of things. Um, uh, it's, it's been a really busy month for me, actually, with um, Gabriel Garcia, who's the, the lead designer. He's been on holiday for a month, lucky fellow, in the Pacific Northwest and uh, the west coast of the States. Uh, exactly the holiday I want to do. Uh, well, not with him <laughs> and his family, of course, but um, but yeah. That would be nice. weird. That would be a bit odd. But um, so in the meantime, I've been working on um, life path stuff to try and make that a bit more um, colourful and then principally on the campaign. So the the Rendezvous with Destiny campaign, which is all about um, airborne troops, both US and British, fighting through from D-Day through to Germany, um, I've done quite a lot of work on that, and we now need to decide what the scope is that we're going to try and produce for the uh, the core book or for the mm. um, initial initial production. So I've put a, uh, some proposals out, and I'm just waiting for Al and Gabe to have a think about it, and um, we'll have a chat about the scope. But that's maybe been really we should good. return to that after the general alpha after my general alpha piece because I have thoughts on that. Um, okay, that we can discuss. Absolutely. Uh, but the other thing I was just going to say is um, our friend of the show, Thomas Bolton, ran a couple of playtests uh, based around his setting in Stalingrad with us playing um, well, a variety of nationalities, actually, German, Russian and Italian, trying to escape the city. And that's really good. So we've, we've playtested um, some combat and uh, some of the rules around that. I think... It, we, we we struggled more with using roll as a VTT actually I think than actually with the rules for the game, but that's going to be up on um, on YouTube somewhere. I'm not sure. We could put a link in the show notes, can't we, for that? Um, if you want to go and yeah, have I'm a look sure and and see how those playtests were playing out, then um, have a look and uh, give us your feedback. If there's anything you um, any comment you want to make. But it's been great fun. I'm loving doing it. It's uh, it's 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 quite a challenge to to create a campaign that you know covers a year of of war with a lot going on in a way that doesn't make ten thousand million words you know, mm. and a million pages. So the, the the trick I think is going to be in in working out what the scope is and deciding what we what we what our ambition should be for this initial core book um, and the yeah. campaign. 
Well, let's talk about that after I talk about Jedlab Alpha because uh, <clears throat> that campaign has reminded me about some philosophies that Free League have on that. Uh, and finally, I just want to give a shout out to Will Lodson, who's one of our patrons, um, because on the Free League uh, YouTube channel, uh, our other patron, actually Doug, who is also one of our patrons, was hosting that channel and hosting Thomas and it's a regular monthly update conversation that they have online. Mm. And Will, bless him, uh, <laughs> had the question, uh, when are you going to just get Dave and Matthew. Dave and or Matthew, I seem to remember there. Interesting. Uh, anyway, Dave and... <laughs> Dave and Matthew, means Dave, Read it at that uh, uh, to do a full-on campaign or supplement for you. And uh, Thomas said, hmm, we'll definitely be seeing a lot more of them in the future. So <laughs> that's an interesting thing. I just want to say thank you, Will, for, for, for going out of your way there to get yes. us a mention uh, on, the, on the podcast. Yeah, on, no, the, that's on great. the YouTube. Yeah, no, no, thanks for that, Will, and hope hope you're well, and hope things are uh, are, are looking up um, uh, for you as as uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, feel free to get it on yeah. there and keep plugging us. I do think it was interesting that um, so Thomas, if you're listening, the phone is on the hook. You know our emails, so um, you know crack on. <laughs> uh, you know Just we're, we're, drop we're waiting for the call. Yeah, <laughs> no. um, right. But yeah, so it's interesting also on that that Thomas was talking about the. Uh, colonial or explorer supplement for Alien, which um, yes, which I know Andrew uh, Drew Gasker is is obviously got a a plan for. Um, be interesting to see how that pans out, whether any of my colony stuff finds its way in there. But um, mm. yeah, obviously nothing is uh, is a given. But yeah, be look forward to see what that's going to look like. Yes. Um. And uh, shall we move on to Gen Lab Alpha then? Yeah. Rather than new that. stuff, let's look at some old stuff, which actually they did mention, I think, as well on that program as being something okay. that recently reprinted. Um, ah, nice. But, and also, a little bit guiltily, he, sa he said, yeah, we did say in the first version of Mutant Year Zero that we were going to be producing Mutant Adastra, and no, we haven't done it yet. <laughs> um, I think they're talking about doing that next year. But, um, but anyway, so... Gen Lab Alpha, which was the second iteration of Mutant Year Zero. I say iteration, kind of expansion, but also a, play, uh, a playable game in its own right. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a new playable game that, that that dovetails perfectly well with the other Mutant Year Zero games, but is, um, as you say, a playable game in its own right. And it's the only one I have. It's I got it on PDF uh, some time ago, but I haven't ever really read it until now. Okay, um, well, shut up. And let's listen to you <laughs> talking about it. Shut up and listen to me. <laughs> a few weeks ago, Dave challenged me to read GenLab Alpha and suggest a campaign. I have not played any Mutant Year Zero games. I created a character for Dave's campaign, but it was a midweek game on the other side of the capital and I decided the days of driving around the M25 for a game on a school night were behind me. I do, however, recall that character's name. She was Raven. The fact that I had chosen such a name for my character perhaps indicate that I would be more keen on GenLab Alpha than the base Mutant Year Zero game. Not that Mutant is a bad game at all, I very much like the idea of the arc and the internal politics during the session zero. I was, if I was going to be honest about my recollections, perhaps less keen on the random nature of mutations. It was less of a worry in character generation, but I could imagine feeling upset if I built a persona for my character around her mutations and then another is triggered that works against that persona. Not such a thing ever happened to me, because I never actually played after that session zero. I don't even recall if such a thing can happen, but I recall it being a worry. I remember liking the idea of GenLab Alpha because the danger of corruption wasn't random mutations, but instead a regression to your bestial nature. 
I preferred the idea because... Let's say your mutant character has a mutation that makes him a bit dog-like. And you build the character around that. You call him Spot. You have him growl a lot, sniffing the ground, etc. But then a roll of the dice or a draw of the card gives him dragonfly wings. You suddenly become less dog-like. And you have to take that into account in your playing of the character. If, on the other hand, you are playing a dog character in Genlab Alpha and you roll a one on the dice when using feral points, you become more animal-like. In this example, more like the dog concept you built your character around, which I am more comfortable with. There are other things I like about this game too. It's a small thing, but I love the advice on naming your character. In the labs where the PCs were created, there was a naming convention for each animal. A name and a number. But the dogs are all named after astronauts, cats after ancient Romans, rats after composers, Ibagsy Glass 433, another mute PC, apes are physicists, and so on. It's a lovely way of prompting a player who maybe sometimes struggles with naming their character without being as limiting as an actual list of names. But what is that, I hear you say? Maybe you don't want to name your rabbit after a football player. Of course, you don't have to. That's what the labs call you, is all. It's an oppressive slave name. You can reject it and give yourself a name of your own choosing. Any name at generation or later, by which you are known within the resistance. Boy, I could have a lot of fun with that. Another thing I like about the system is that damage is specific to each attribute. Pushing your roll risks damaging your attributes as it does in Forbidden Lands and the other mutant games. So damage to instinct one of the two mental attributes, is doubt. And you can recover it by indulging in a behaviour specific to your animal origins. So, apes pick fleas off each other to recover doubt. Cats lick themselves clean. A lot of the ways of recovering doubt are socialising, except for the bear and the moose who both seek solitude. Something else happens when animals get together too. Unlike the mutated humans of the zone, the residents of the labs can have litters, which brings a whole new aspect into the adventure. Of course, like many early Free League books, the rules make up only the first third of the book, and the other two thirds are given over to GM-exclusive stuff. Some of the secrets beyond the PC's understanding, a range of antagonists, and a short campaign... I won't reveal too much for fear of spoiling an adventure for any listeners who have been inspired to give it a go as a player, but I do just want to mention the beautiful horror of the psionic butterfly. But what sort of campaign should I run? Dave challenged me to present a campaign concept for this particular bit of homework, and I can't just stop here after telling you what excites me about this game. So, let me tell you instead what is missing, what I might have to house rule, and what the short campaign is that I would like to run. What I don't want to run is Road to Eden, the tactical computer game with similarities to, but importantly not based on, Genlab Alpha. That game features ducks, which is required by law in Sweden, and boar, animal types that don't feature here but the changes that I want to make are not about adding those. I also considered the recent Netflix success Sweet Tooth. Apart from Gus, the hero of the story, and Pigtail, most of the hybrids in that show have limited language. Given that the PCs of Genlab Alpha are themselves kind of hybrids, I did briefly consider an adventure based on that. But my influence is a little older. Back in the early 2000s, Grant Morrison, 
who is my god, and Frank Quietly produced a limited series comic called We Three. It was a version of the Disney children's classic, Incredible Journey, but with a manga aesthetic and, well, a lot of high explosives. It's the sort of campaign I want to run, but the animals in We Three were not as developed, not as human, forgive me, I know it's an insult among animal kind, as the PCs in Genlab Alpha. At the risk of spoiling a secret of the last two-thirds of the book, I would love to create a campaign where the PCs are what this book calls abominations. An alternative to the process that created the genetically modified animals of Genlab Alpha, Biomechatronics was the creation of mechanically enhanced animals, a bit like the ones in We Three. The list of biomechatronic implants in the GM section is pretty limited, but I think I would like to try recreating something similar to the armoured animals of We Three and send them out to innocently explore the world of the apocalypse. So, well done, Matthew, for finally uh, doing enough of your PhD to give you the time and space to actually read this. Say, um, I'd been kind to you earlier, but you have been very late in getting around to doing this. But no, that's yeah. really good, really interesting. Um, I was, I was, I was disappointed, but I completely understood um, why you didn't want to join on the midweek Mutant Year Zero game. It's, it is a long old trek, as you say, on a school night to go from yeah. where you live to where I live to play a game and then drive back again. Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, yeah, I'm not sure what else to say, actually. I think, uh, general, well, um, there's a question it- I've got for you, actually. Am I right? My, my recollection, and it's years ago that you first started playing, um, Mutant Year Zero, and I sat down and did character generation. Can't even really remember much about my character, Raven, about what her mutations were or anything like that. But am I right in that you can, if you kind of um, um, get ones on your mutant powers roll, you can end up with a new mutant power? Yes. If you push yourself too hard, that might result in gaining a new mutation. And mm. um, that kind of happens spontaneously. You know, that mutation was kind of always there, but having pushed yourself... It, it, it's it's caused that mutation then to manifest itself. It, it is a there is a bit of suspending disbelief because uh, you know the suddenly you might sprout two new arms or you mm. might sprout new wings. Um, so it's it, it's a little bit. I think this is one of my not criticism. One of my, one of my one of my sort of comments about Mutant Year Zero is it does feel a bit comic book in mm. its in its approach. So things like that. So yes, absolutely. You might have, as you were saying, you might have mutations that you've woven beautifully into your character's persona that, that fit with you being a dog or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And then you get a, a random mutation that is totally at odds with that. Um, and and how, how do you manage it? I think Connor had one where he sprouted two extra arms. I was like, oh, okay. And he kind of like, it was a bit odd, but he shrugged and got on with it. And Tony's... <laughs> well, that's to- what you need to do with two extra arms. <laughs> <laughs> double double shrug. All those shoulders to shrug. Yeah. Um, and, and then Tony's character was like a beast. It was like an animal beast. And yeah. then he, but then he got a plant-style mutation. Exactly that sort of thing. So it was, it was a bit odd. Um, it yeah. didn't. It didn't spoil the fun, but I think you probably would have to come at it suspending your disbelief a little bit because it's it's not a. It's definitely a game that is not a simulation of anything. You know, it is a mm. fantasy game in effect. Um, but yes, so 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 there is that, and I can see how that yeah. might bother some players. Um, and it's okay that it's comic booky. I think because I think Genab Alpha is comic yes, booky I agree. as well, yeah, yeah, and in absolutely. fact. Both the properties that I talk about at the end there in terms of potential inspiration for campaign, they are comic books. So um, yeah, so I've got no yeah. problem with comic booky. It is a thing, though, about, I guess, you know, you've played this, you've built up your bestial nature of your character or, your, um, or you know, or your plant nature, <laughs> you know, if, if you've yeah. got plant nature on the outside and then um, suddenly you take a, 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 
I don't know, grow fangs or whatever. Um, maybe it's not so bad with plants. They're just weird anyway, aren't they? Mm -hmm. um, but well, yeah, and then, you, and then you kind of then have to rethink your image. Um, well, I, well, I think with Tony's character, we ended up. It was. It was. <clears throat> I think with. I think with Tony's character, um, we. It was some kind of protective thing. So it might have been bark or something, which we were mm. able to to narrate was toughened skin or hardened yeah. skin or something. So it, we were able to, to to make it fit a bit. But it's it, it definitely does run the risk that it would be something totally off the wall that you would then dragonfly might, wings might struggle to um yes. to kind of link with your character. Um, but cool. it's a great it's a great game. And I would I would actually I'd very much like to run it again. I'd quite like to play it actually. Uh, yeah, I'd, de I'd definitely well, be interested in playing some Gen Lab Alpha. I mean, I must admit, actually, looking at the back there, I wouldn't mind playing the box standard campaign in the back of the book because that looked fun. I love the, you know, the other things you meet. Um, uh, so I might, I might just at some point run those four scenarios they've got at the back of the book. Yeah, um, and and thinking maybe about doing a Wii Three campaign at some other stage. But that reminds me. Reading that, I was loving the way that Free League do those campaigns in the backs of those books. Mm. Um, not so much quite recently where, you know, the campaign material has been in separate books or supplements. But um, it felt very much as this and uh, very much uh, Tales from the Loop and uh, Things from the Flood where there is a whole little campaign in the back of the book. A lot of people don't like that because they say, look, I'm paying for 200 pages of stuff two-thirds of which i'm not going to use again after the first time but actually i i was really admiring that and just in in answer to your earlier comment about what is the scope for a campaign in war stories i was going you know you can follow that sort of format four adventures say if you're talking about going through the air following the seasons and some random adventure generation tables that might do it Hmm. So I think there's there's um yeah, yeah a couple of things I'd say there. Firstly, just about the 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 campaigns, particularly in the mutant year zero books. Um, maybe not so much for Tales from the Loop, but they are kind of they are like the starting zone. For example, in a game like World of Warcraft or something, where mm. you have a story, and at the end of that campaign, you. You, you then move into the wider world you kind of you've, yeah. you've done you've done your tutorial even though that's probably the wrong way of describing it because it's not like a tutorial it's a it's a it's a, it's a self-contained campaign but in each campaign there is a goal and once you attain that goal you then gain some either some yes. freedom or some uh, ability to 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 make more decisions about controlling your own future and destiny particularly for gen lab alpha um i'm assuming i haven't read the campaign in that um, but certainly in Mechatron, there is a definite endpoint. In Mechatron, you, well, I won't spoil it, but there is definitely a point where you're free, um, you know, kind of thing. And and that works really nicely as a way of setting up that world and setting up that um, that kind of backstory. But then it releases you into the wider world of Mutant Year Zero, which you can then play with any character from any system. Because everything is, there are differences. A lot of it is in um, in nomenclature, so change of names of stuff. But actually, you can play all those rules together. So you can easily play a mutant from Mutant Year Zero with a modified animal from Gen Lab Alpha with a robot from Mechatron. You could do all of that without a problem, and I, I love that. I think that's really really nice. Um, what else was I going to say? Uh, yeah, war stories. So I think there is. There is a particular challenge in the ambition that Al and Gabe have, uh, you know, the ambition that they have for this campaign, and it's it's quite a it's an involved campaign. So if, if for example, you just look at the the um, the U.S. Airborne Five Hundred Sixth, um, they mm -hmm. are basically wanting to recreate the story of Band of Brothers in effect. Yeah, and. But also, I think you know, there's there's a lot. You, you want to give a bit of choice. You don't just want to give, okay, here's your D-Day mission. Job done. 
okay, now we go to Holland and, and Market Garden. Job done. I think you want to give a bit more than that. So there might well be, uh, you know, a kind of bending of the history historicity of it a little bit mm. in that your player characters might get the option to get involved in more missions than they their real life would have done if would have done. a single unit might have um, done in yeah yeah but also uh there's a a kind of a hex crawl dynamic that we're building into it which is not like forbidden lands it's a bit more like mutant year zero where the destination is a bit more important than the journey, whereas I think in Forbidden Lands, the journey is the important thing, and actually the destination is almost secondary in the way that mm-hmm. the rules are put together and yeah. written. Um, but in this, the the idea is that actually you've got many scenarios you can play out on your journey to your to your mission. Um, so I think that, that, that should hopefully give us quite a lot of content that would make for a varied and interesting and unpredictable campaign. It's just how much do you try and do at the initial release of War Stories. So I think if we wanted to do the whole the whole of the war, that's going to be a lot of content. So it'd be a question of how do we manage that. Or the, mm. you know, the, 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 the other question that naturally follows from that is, okay, what scope do we realistically want to go for? How far do we want to go down that yes. campaign? Um, Does that campaign get you off the beach and, I don't know, uh, across a bridge and then you're in Germany and um, the rest starts or something like that mm. in some subsequent book? Yeah. But that's that's obviously a, a call for, for Alex and, uh, and Gabe to make. Uh, I've, yes. I've put out the options and the, and the proposals and kind of like the implications of doing one over the other. But we'll have to see what uh, how big a bite they want to bite off of this. Brilliant. Brilliant. Cool. Well, I think we are looking at coming in, closing in on an hour now. And I ought to warn you that my headphones are about to run out of power. So I think <laughs> it might be time to draw this podcast to a close. What are we going to do next episode? On an hour? God, that's... We've just, we've just got to string this out just to make sure we're going to cover the hour. No, we don't have to. You know, we're at 50 <laughs> minutes now. I've got about eight minutes of... Uh, of Earphone uh, left. Okay, right, right, right. Um, so we... Um, I, I had uh, a very interesting um, time watching a couple of videos on YouTube about Twilight 2000 by a very engaging fellow called James Langham. And we are thinking of getting him on for a quick interview to talk about all yeah. things Twilight 2000 for next time, aren't we? Our player in the Hamam will be James Langham. Um, James, if you're listening to this, uh, I will get back to you on email. I said uh, Dave and I would discuss it, and I guess we're discussing it now, Dave. We'll try and <laughs> yes. we'll try and fix up an interview with James over the next couple of weeks, and then that will be ready to slot in to the next episode. That sounds great. Brilliant. Cool. Um, so, uh, have we got anything else to say? Uh, other than um, thanks for listening. And see you next time. Ah, no, hold on. I've got something else to say. I'm just checking Uh. my email now. And the exciting news is that our effect custom dice are in the post on their way to us now. And these Uh. are going to be an exclusive... uh, exclusive gift to our privileged patrons, a set of 15 effect-branded dice. Nice. So, um, So if you're thinking about pledging... And you want to pledge in the privileged rank, then get in there quick and you Now's might the time. catch these dice. <laughs> Excellent. Cool. Good plug. Good plug. Yeah. Uh, well, I just happened to see it, I, uh, but I will look up James's last email and get back to him. Yeah, great. And, and my headset's telling me to recharge again. Okay, so... right then. <laughs> Go on. Say goodbye then. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. And may the icons bless your adventures. You have been listening to The Effect Podcast, presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods. Music stars on a black sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing.